Hey Avery, guess what? No. That's right. It's a very special episode. It's our first feature film and Deke's first live action theatrical production. Wow! I fucking hate you! So we are the Deke Geeks and today we meet the Deedles. No! We are the Deep Geeks. I'm Mark. I'm Avery. And it's everything. We just watched the 90 minute long uh, theatrical masterpiece that is Meet the Deedles. Are you sure it's a masterpiece? Well, not that. Well, yes, it is a masterpiece. Are you sure it was 90 minutes though? Because it really felt like two hours. It was 94 minutes, something like that. One hour and 34 minutes or something. Yeah. Yeah, 94 and, um, minutes. And, um,. And, um, <laughs> could be a lot shorter, but we'll get into that. It kept going. Um, first things first, what do you remember from your <laughs> childhood <laughs> about Deke's first uh, feature length uh, theatrical uh, live action movie, Meet the Deedles? I have no idea. Have you ever heard no, of this movie? No. Okay. I know. I, 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 no. Look back to the glistening times of my youth before I knew it was such a travesty. Back when I was an innocent small child enjoying playing video games and anime. Uh, it was a good time and it was a wonderful time and I didn't have to worry about things like this. Yeah, I haven't heard of it either, quite frankly. Um, but uh, in that case, um, in order to try and get a bit of conversation out of you, what do you remember about Third Wave Scar? <laughs> <laughs> because that's the best thing about this movie, let's face it. We're not going to be talking uh, okay. much about it. This has quite a good soundtrack for yes, such a terrible it, movie. The soundtrack is surprisingly good for what it is. Um... Third Wave Scar was quite good. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I ever really got into Third Wave Scar. I was doing all the like the specials and stuff, and I well, initially yeah. got into Scar. We like um, the old uh, classic Scar. Later on, I got into the Aquabats though, and that's I suppose that's the second third wave. wave. Is, is, is the Aquabats Third Wave Scar? Uh, the Aquabats is Third Wave Scar. I yeah, believe. but the Aquabats are good. I like. Aquabats. I mean, they're the same era as Oingo Boingo and classic. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Me first and the gimme gimmies. Mighty mighty boss tones. Mighty mighty boss tones. Real big fish. Yeah, yeah. Um I was gonna say Mr. Bungle, but no, they're more prog rock than <laughs> Scar. Fair enough. Mr. Bungle is good though. So yes, we've established that this is the first time we've actually come across this movie. Yeah. And it will be my last. Yeah. <laughs> with a bit of luck. Uh, no history section, because I cannot be bothered. 
there's barely any trivia or history or backstory on this thing. It just seemed to have been willed into existence and then promptly forgotten about. This is a movie, uh, Deke Maid. Is that, are you sure about that? I get the Deke Maid part. That yeah, Deke pro- like produced this one. Are you sure about the first bit? Are you sure about it being a movie? <laughs> Um, and not see. some kind of nine, late 90s torture device developed by the CIA as part of MKUltra. Hold on. Along with Polybius. Hold on, let me just check that. It is a theatrically released 90 minute mm. live action sequence of scenes. Mm. I'm not going to say it's a plot or a story, it's a live action sequence of scenes, mm. uh, which technically makes it a movie. Oh. Not sure it makes it a film, but it makes it a movie. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, this was a live-action movie produced whilst uh, whilst Deke were under Disney. And uh, Deke were no longer under Disney two years after this. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, let's get straight into it. Musical Sting. (laughs) Okay, we open with a zoom to a Malibu beach house and the sudden um, gang of teenagers kidnapping uh, the main characters... Phil and Stu Deedle mm. uh, to take them on a uh, water um, paragliding yeah, trip. Yeah, it, it was a paragliding thing. For their birthday. <laughs> yeah, because they're twins um, and they're both 18. They are, yes. quote-unquote, fully legal. Uh, yes, they they crow about being fully legal. This is the first five minutes of the film and it's already skeevy. Um, there they are chased by... Possibly the best equipped uh, um, school uh, attendance officer I've ever seen. Mm. I mean, the the guy is on a jet ski with the words school police written on his helmet. Mm. Uh, And this leads to a chase sequence for some reason. Mm. uh, And ultimately them being kicked out of school for, you know, being truant. Yeah. Um, it was at this that that wasn't a thing that I know. I've got my own notes here, and um, while I didn't do a much of a detailed plot line as uh, Mark has got for his seven pages of notes, I've just been kind of making remarks and stuff on some of the bizarre things that I've seen, such as the fact that um, Studiedle wears glasses and, as such, makes him look far too nerdy, and as such seems like the complete opposite of the type of dude who would be hanging out with that kind of crowd of people. Well, that's true. And as we know, he is in fact a genius. Yeah, he is and legitimately is a computer nerd. And there is literally no reason for him to be one of this Dumb and Dumber style comedy duo. Mm-hmm. I mean, his brother is the idiot. His brother is... The Reese of the family from Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. Whereas... <laughs> So we have Malcolm and Reese from Malcolm in the Middle in this movie, but as surfer bro stereotypes. Whereas Stu Deedle describes, at one point, I believe he describes nuclear fission as being simple science. Yeah. This yeah. 
this guy's a genius. Why is this guy even involved in this at all? I just... The question of just why could be applied to so many different situations and scenarios and scenes in this yes. movie. Yes, yes, yes. Let's not go questioning character motives when we could be questioning why things actually happen in the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, because in many cases, there is no discernible answer. Either way, uh, their father, who is a far more talented actor... Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he puts on the most beautifully disappointed voice. Yeah. Uh, Just this low mumble like, my boys, you can't expel them. I'm very upset about you now. I'm going to send you to camp. And has a range of... um, alternates between this kind of uh, low-growling disappointedness and shouting. Yeah. He's a really good, angry dad. He's just a really serious actor, and it works. Um, And um, I've actually seen him before. Uh, He is... He plays uh, Robin Shabatsky's father in a in a um, episode of How I Met Your Mother, mm. which is good casting. <laughs> Even though How I Met Your Mother didn't exist for another kind of ten years or so. Oh yeah, but I'm saying he is he is cast as dad. Yeah, he is a good. If you want a ridiculously stern, da- da- over the top dad actor, dad da- actor, actor, get this dude. Get this dude. He's fun. Yes. Um. Either way, um, he sends them off to a camp in Yellowstone called Camp Broken Spirit. Yeah, it's that's that's quite a good joke. Yeah, it's a good joke. I mean, um, it helped that it was helped that it was delivered by the best, <laughs> best, dad, yeah. best actor in the film. It only goes downhill from that point. Yeah, it was on this one that I noted the um, as far as I could tell from this point on. Uh, from this point in the movie early on uh, plot line is basic kids misbehave at the last time and get sent to camp that seemingly was popular during the 90s uh yes I do remember quite a few cartoons and stuff having this exact same basic plot line Cow and Chicken yes. had one as well uh Holes is a movie built entirely around it yeah there you go I mean, there was the idea of sending your naughty kid off to military school at one point, and then it kind of privatised into sending them off to punishment camps, and then it kind of evolved into this weird, conflated uh, media idea of them being these weird kind of summer camp situations full of stereotypical um, sergeant major types. Mm. And... I have no idea if these camps actually still exist in any way, shape, or form. But considering what uh, American culture does to uh, its rebellious teens, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. Either way, after a few antics uh, in uh, around a plane and uh, transportation, including a remote-controlled tiki bar sequence... Yeah, okay, yeah, that... that... Scene definitely fucked with me. And then in my notes here, what is happening? How do these two have such weird gadgets and how are they allowed to take it with them? Followed by, this is the most painfully 90s thing. Well, indeed. <laughs> um, they randomly insult a dude outside the airport who turns out to be the guy who's come to meet them. Mm-hmm. There is no context for them insulting this dude. 
I mean, this dude doesn't cross them in any way, shape, or form. He's just standing there holding a sign, and they shout, Hey, he's ugly! Pretty much. Why are we, why are we supposed to like these characters? No idea. The, 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 the film doesn't give any reason why we should care about whether Phil and Stu Deedle redeem themselves. And considering that that's the entire point of the movie, that makes for a long 90 minutes. Either way, they get into an argument with the dude and then a car crash happens. Yeah. Uh, it, First car crash of the movie. Yeah, there's three. at least... There's three car crashes and also a powered skateboard crash. Yeah, that was a thing. So, the car crash happens. They um... they crash through the camp of uh, two survivalist ladies named Mel and Mo. Yeah, Mel and Mo. Uh, they'll become important in the plot for... Obvious reasons. Convenience. <sighs> yep. Um, so yeah, the car that they're in runs over their entire campsite as those two enter the kind of like natural hot spring type thing. They continue crashing for a bit more and then go into the ocean. Um, ocean? River, sorry. River. Oh, they don't they, do, do they, they? Yeah, they, they, oh, they, yes, they, they crash la- into a rock and then they go through yes. the roof of the car, crash into a river. And the car explodes. The car doesn't explode. The, it sets on fire. It sets on fire, but it doesn't explode. Okay. Uh, the dude who's oh, yes. driving the we car. Were, we were the dude there. who's driving the car fucking ends up in the river in the drink at one end. He thinks that the deedles are dead. The deedles splush into another end and he, they think that the dude driving was dead. No, they're pretty sure he wouldn't be. Well, either way, they get to, back to the car and they're like, oh, we need some clothes. And then they find some clothes underneath the car which were owned by Mel and Mo, and then, oh, no, we need a fire, and then the car conveniently catches on fire, and that's supposed to be a joke, I think. Yeah. Either way, they, they've they now stolen these two ladies' clothes, um, and are now going to try and escape back home using their powered skateboards, which they apparently had. Yeah, apparently this was something they had in their huge luggage. Yeah, um... And so they go on this big giant skateboard ride down a fucking huge hill and it goes on for the longest time unnecessarily long. And yet they still wear protection while riding because being safe while skateboarding is cool. Even if you're doing a luge. Absolutely. Gotta be safe while skateboarding and accidentally freeing circus animals. Mm-hmm. You take over. I can't stand to talk about this any longer. Well, they accidentally free a bunch of circus animals along the way, uh, including an elephant, a bear, and a lion. Um, The lion is purely for plot convenience to keep Mel and Mo up a tree for four days. But eventually they crash into the Yellowstone Park sign. Do you know anything about Yellowstone Park? No. From what I hear, this looks nothing like Yellowstone Park. Okay, great. Uh... Either way, um, they they are knocked unconscious, but uh, thanks to a letter that was in the clothing they stole and the fact that the names of the people are written in the uh, clothing itself as if they were in first school or something, um, they uh, are mistaken for new recruits at the ranger, the park ranger. They're the National Park Ranger Forces. Sure. 
And not only that, but new recruits who are there to fix the prairie dog problem. This is a stupid fucking setup. This is a really fucking stupid setup. So yeah, Phil doesn't want to do this. Until he sees the Hot Ranger. Oh, no, 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 rewinding. They, they, they get saved by the park rangers. They, they're in this little hospital-y thing. There's an entire scene with the nurse who intentionally embarrasses them for oh, yeah, some reason. The, yeah, the, the badass black nurse who never appears again. Yeah, she's just kind of there, and then, oh, nope, she's gone it's again. this fun character that mm-hmm. does this one scene and then is never uh, oh, appears right, again. Yeah. Before that happens, fucking Phil wakes up Stu... By ripping out his UV drip that's in his arm and squirting it at Stu. Yeah. Ah. Saline. So, oh, Jesus. That's such a nasty thing to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then they get recruited as park rangers because they got confused for being someone else. Yep, so they... Stu says that. bonus round. <sighs> <laughs> they say they say a variety of interesting things that don't really make much sense or yeah, seem to be jokes. It's, it's like, I've written a couple of them down. Ah, uh, yeah, it's they seem to have some sort of surface slang going on, written by people who don't know what surface slang is. Yes, basically. Um, so anyway, yeah, they meet the lieutenant, who is of course this fucking hot, sexy lady stereotype that the boys instantly start fawning over. Because it's a 90s movie, why wouldn't it be? Yep, uh, this is the note where I put, the point at which I wrote, this is awful. Yeah, that's basic. Basically, yes. We then learn that the prairie dog infestation is being caused by an evil park ranger. Yes, it cuts into the evil park ranger's lair, which looks like a fucking like underground base from a 90s FMV game. Yes, it's him sitting in a big plush office chair type thing. Yeah, I was about to say, is this meant to be some kind of Dr. Claw rip-off, but then he like turned Dr. around. It looks like the Dr. Claw chair. Mm-hmm. Um, it's filmed just like it would be, with him staring at dozens of screens. It might even be a nod to uh, probably is. Inspector Gadget, it being a Deke thing. But um, either way, we see him, and it's uh, Dennis Hopper somehow having taken even further steps down after the Super Mario Brothers movie. But anyway, we switch back to Phil and Stu momentarily again. Uh, they're fully dressed in their uniforms, they're exiting the visitor centre, somehow saying hello to the various international patrons in other languages, which they somehow know. They literally say hello to a group of Japanese people and a Spanish person in their respective languages. And I don't know how they would know that. No idea. Um, I mean, is it Phil or Stu? Oh, it might have... I think it was both of them, actually. Huh. See, it makes sense if it was Stu, because he is a genius. Yeah, yeah. And therefore shouldn't be in this movie where everyone is fucking stupid. (sighs) Either way, they are inducted as such into the uh, ranger service, uh, where it's revealed that, according to the letter that uh, they they sent the ranger service, uh, they are naturalists and will only eat things. You've skipped ahead again. Have I? Yes. 
Um, I decided some scenes weren't worth mentioning. Well, you want to chime in? Yeah, here I've got. Before at, this, at some point, one of them says, "Insert laugh here." Literally, says that. Ha. Um, it was during this scene that we learnt that the big bad was actually a former park ranger who got banned from the park because oh, yes. that's in the visitor exposition book. scene provided to give context to the villain scene. Yes. The fact that they didn't leave any space between the appearance of the villain and explaining who the villain is, and yet left the entire movie between uh, the first appearance of the villain and explaining any of his motives. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> This Phil, is not a finely crafted movie. And then Phil rips out the photo of the bad guy from the book and... Puts it against his face and then sprays water on himself. I don't get what that entire part was. Yeah, to the I have point no that idea I just, what that part was. I, I just wrote, was that meant to be a joke? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, immediately... But then they get... Yeah, they go, they go into the cafeteria and then um, they pretty much get thrown into the deep end because of the stolen clothes, getting told that they're there to be fixing the prairie dog problem. And then his hero writes, the dorky one is Stu and the other, other one is Phil. I only gather this by half an hour into the movie. <laughs> yes. So it's here that we learn that they're supposedly naturalists because of the piece of paper that was in their clothing. And somehow... Being a quote-unquote devout naturalist, eating stuff from Earth's ground, means eating cabbage dirt and living bugs. I don't get that part. Um, uh, basically, for, they seem to have decided naturalist means forager. Yeah. I mean, they they are full they are full bear grills, except bear grills survivalist. Not naturalist, survivalist. This is the mistake the movie makes. And um, upon seeing this food, they both go a bit ill. One of them asks if Stu is okay, and Stu says, I'm alright, just a touch of the Ebola. To be fair, at this point, Ebola was only affecting black people. Comedy! So immediately after this, they um, we are shown their camp where they are failing to put a tent together and saying that this sucks, but ah, it could be worse, it could be raining. And then the worst timed response to it could be raining happens I've ever seen in a movie. It was just really undramatic. It yeah, just slowly I mean, comes down. Well, it's because it, they chose snow instead of rain. Yeah. And there is literally no reason for it to be snow because that snow isn't used. Mm-hmm. They should have just had the traditional sudden uh, bit of thunder and then the Crash whole thing darkening. Yeah. And well, I mean, just I'll, I'll take that over a cliche thing to do, but it would probably be better well, in this movie. Clichés are fine if they are puff performed in a manner that is... A competent cliche is better than a half-arsed subversion. Mm. Mm. Because if, if you haven't got the timing, a joke can't work. Full stop. And this movie full of slapstick and cliche and weird half-arsed jokes 
has no sense of timing throughout. Anyway, they start training to be rangers, uh, where it's also revealed that their boss uh, is the hot ranger's stepfather. Well, you've skipped ahead a bit more again. Uh, well, there's some running around. There's not some, some running around. There's not some climbing. There's some fake abseiling. Uh, that's the one. Yeah. I there's know, running there's, I know there's like, fake abseiling. Is this even something that park rangers do? Uh, abseiling, yes. Okay. Um, well, inside that abseiling scene, there's a fucking pull my finger fart joke. Yeah. That's the level of humour we're dealing with here, folks. Yeah. Um, overprotective father joke for the hot, generic hot girl that they fawn over. Yeah. yeah. The big boss this of the is camp is the one bar. of the Ugh. main conflicts of the movie. The fact that the, the, the uh, their boss is also the love interest protective stepfather. So then there's some wacky hijinks that have no relation to the plot at all. Uh, they steal some food off some campers. They're then tasked with getting rid of all the pra- prairie dogs ready for the big celebration. It's not revealed at this point, but the big celebration is the billionth birthday of Old Faithful, the, the famous geyser. How exactly did they work that out? I... Uh, Is Old Faithful even a billion years old? I mean, do plate tectonics work that way? I don't know. I don't care. This movie is painful to be thinking about. So whilst whilst they're being told to do this and to tell their boss's boss that everything's going to be okay, their boss's office collapses, for which they are blamed. They shut the door and then the house collapses and I said, what? How shittily is it made? Apparently it's something to do with prairie dogs. Is it? Well, I assume that the idea was that it collapses. Do they eat wood? I assume the idea is it collapses into a hole, which doesn't work because the roof collapses first. Yeah. It's It's just, it's, um, it's just side panels falling down. It doesn't fall into a hole. The desk eventually falls into a hole. But this doesn't work. This doesn't function as a collapse. And it was at this point in the movie that I regretted not making a deedle count because they fucking say it every five minutes. Uh, yeah. Well, no, not even that. At some points they say deedle five times and within a couple of seconds. Yeah. It's bizarre. Um, I mean, I think someone thought deedle sounded like a fun word to say. It's not. It's not. It really isn't. Especially after seeing this movie. Mm-hmm. So then, trying to impress the girl, Phil accidentally hijacks a helicopter. Oh, well, because no, apparently... Because in between, in between, we get to see the bad guys again. Ah, uh, yeah. And uh, I just wrote, what exactly is bad guy's motive? Why is he infesting it with prairie dogs? Why is anything even happening? Yeah, eventually find out. It, Fifteen ugh. minutes before the movie ends, it we find imp- out the motive. It doesn't improve things. Uh, Ride of the Valkyries plays. Uh, Phil gets into a heli to try and blow dry the heli off, even though it's a heli. And somehow the hot girl got into the constantly moving about helicopter to save him. And it's also completely fine with him doing that and not at all pissed off with him. Why? Why is she not annoyed at him? And Who also, knows? Diet Coke product placement. And there was Hostess and Jello product placement earlier in the movie as well. Yeah, there does seem to be a good amount of product placement in this movie, doesn't there? 
<sighs> so it's at this point that Stu hacks into the CIA to steal chemical weapons. He says, and I quote, Hey bro, I found it. Hacked into old CIA database. You know, just casually. I'm, I'm not even kidding about the chemical weapons thing. This is literally what they... They explain it as having been a gas that was formulated to attack Cuba. Specifically Castro. How was some parts of the script allowed? The idea was that this gas causes people to poop. Y- yeah, it's literally just... It's a pooping it's, gas. It's a big poop joke. Yeah, so... At some point, Phil says, yeah, chemicals rule. Yeah. So, the, um, so these guys are now war criminals. Uh, let's see. The bits that I've got on this bit. There was the, yeah, chemicals rule. I've also got prairie dogs are cute, because they are cute, because <laughs> Phil somehow adopts a prairie dog yeah, called Petey. just happens. Um, they wear bandanas for gas masks. They're not gas masks. Why are you using... Them? And then I've thought, of course, the chemicals just make everyone shit themselves. Of course, the chemicals reach birds. So, of course, they shit on the big boss dude. Yeah, basically, um, they send PT down to spread the gas uh, into the tunnel system that the bad guys have been digging. And uh, PT immediately goes outside and chases through Yellowstone and things and people shit. Yeah. For an extended sequence. Yeah. At that point, uh, the after which the um, bad guys cut the brakes on the Deedle's car. The Deedle's car, which contains the uh, shoes laptop, which is somehow connected to the internet despite them being in a forest. Yeah, I mean, I would in the nineties, s- I would say that these they they seem to have um, the old uh, Toshiba satellite. Yeah, uh, I think this is some kind of thing relating back to the Deedles family owning a big corporation of some type. Quite possibly. Because but they are their still search using engine, Windows 95 laptop. Their, their search engine is literally Deedle branded. Um, so I'd imagine that it is something to do with their connections to the big corporation, as it were. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean... Also, it was 98. So laptops yeah. hadn't fully died out by that point. They put their seatbelts on in the car. Safety's cool. <laughs> and also a second car scene, which they somehow stopped in the middle of it. I don't know how that works. They have no brakes. Uh, well, basically, they um, their brakes are cut, so they end up going a career off the road and jumping over a ravine. and Which then somehow stops the car. Yeah, through for friction. Mm. And then rather than getting out of the car, their brakes... Uh, after all, don't work. Um, they they just accelerate back up, turn around, and jump back over the ravine again. Mm. How are they going to stop this time? They don't. They fucking die at the end of the movie. Whoa! Also, I wish. Also, their brake lines were cut. How are they not seeing? F- f- how are they not seeing that there is somebody who isn't a prairie dog against them? They have evidence here that there is foul play. They're too stupid to realise. One of them! One of them hacked into a CIA database! Yes, but you have to realise the genius character is also a dumb surfer bro character at the same time. So they have to play both parts. 
So yeah, at this point, um, they plan to use thermal imaging to track prairie dogs. Yeah, um, also in between some of these scenes, we get a quick look in at how Mel and Mo are doing, because of course, and we see that they're stuck up a tree now. Yeah, Um, being chased by a lion. Yeah, and then they fall off the tree and the lion's gone, Um, but in their stupor of terror... It's pretty much revealed that they are stereotypical, generic, meat-is-murder type people. The stereotypical people. uh, They just shout meat-is-murder at a lion. Like, I don't understand the writing for those characters. I'm rooting for the bad guys to kill the deedle so the movie ends. We're only 53 minutes in. Speaking of which, is at this point that they try and kill them with crossbows. Yeah. But we're ambushed by the bear. The bear just wanders around this movie. The bear's possibly the most likeable character in this movie. The bear doesn't do anything. Yeah. That's probably why it's likeable. It yeah. does nothing that would cause harm. <laughs> it's just like, hello. It just wanders around being a bear. Yeah, it's just like, hello, I'm here. How's it going? Um, so, uh, the thing between uh, Hot Ranger and Phil Deedle is getting... Is hotting up and... Is hotting up? Hotting up. Hotting up. Hotting up. <laughs> and... The charts are This hot. is kind of gross because he is most definitely wearing her under false pretenses. Yeah. Seeing as he is not the person he says he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially as um, they decide to go on a walk uh, for to forage for some food, uh, and he hides gummy worms under rocks too, uh, because he doesn't want to eat worms. Uh, but oh sh- god, not this! Yeah, yeah. goodbye. And. Um, the result is she calls him out on this and then challenges him to eat worms and they both eat worms romantically ending in a Lady in the Tramp style kiss. Do we mention this movie's trash? Because this movie's trash. Oh yes, he then gives a romantic speech that is summed up as <clears throat> You're hot. So it's at this point finally that the Deedles are found out and arrested by the park rangers. They go to jail the end. We're done. No, we're not done. No. Mel and Mo come to the park rangers and shit, they get rumbled and stuff like that. Mel and Mo make random references to Monopoly and Hardy Boys for some reason. I don't know why. But anyway, the boys get expelled from the camp and they go in a big helicopter with the big boss and the the sexy girl. They get airlifted out. And just as they're going over a river, the bad guys fucking take pot shots at the big boss. He falls out of the helicopter somehow. somehow shot out of the helicopter. Yeah. And is now in rapid rivers. With rifles. Yeah. And so Phil and Stu's reaction to that is to try and surf their way into his freedom. Apparently river surfing is a real thing. Yeah, that would make sense. But, yeah, I just that entire scene happens... And then we get a transition back to the camp through the big boss's mouth. And yes, as they, uh, as they grab on back onto the um, the helicopter and fly away from a waterfall, 
the transition goes directly into his mouth. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we're back. The only at, interesting we're transition. The, the we're whole back movie. at the camp now, and as it turns out, they're gonna get grad. They're gonna graduate from the camp, and get badges for saving him. I guess uh, they say yes, thinking badges. But for now, they're going to throw a luau. Despite the music being scar. Yeah. Um, did we mention that the romance between Lieutenant and Phil is the most forced fucking thing? Because it is. It continues after this uh, exposure of his total grody liar fakeness. Yeah. Uh, somehow people still haven't dealt with the bear or the lion at this point during the luau. And also they are partying and having a graduation yeah. thing despite not solving the prairie dog problem yet. Yeah. Plus, uh, the bear at one point steals Stu's hat and blends in with all the other partygoers. Yes, because hats, just undoubtedly the thing that really hides who you are. Um. Oh shit, it's a reference to... Okay, in, a, in another scene, they're showing fire safe, fire forest fire safety to a bunch of kids... And there's oh, a wrapping so bear. The, they think right. it's the wrapping bear suit. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Mm. That's still shit. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, Here I was thinking it Phil was a nice Lieutenant's, bit of surrealism, and yet no. Yeah. Phil and Lieutenants meet back up, and they go to a secret place where they do PG thirteen skinny dipping. Hey, that was my joke. More, uh, more forced romance, and also unnecessary innuendo. Let's just explain. PG-13 skinny dipping, somehow she has a bikini, uh, or rather a two-piece swimsuit, underneath her uh, uniform. You know, just for convenience. Yeah. Yeah. Just in case. You never know when you might need to go fucking skinny dipping. Um. Anyway, yeah, they have some kind of talk about something that Phil gets in the thing, and then the Transition is a smash cut to the guys are erupting because unnecessary innuendo. Uh, every time it seems like it's about to end, the movie kind of keeps on going. Uh, yes, yes, because of, after all, we haven't dealt with our villains or in- indeed revealed their plot in any way, shape or form other than to kill the Deedles. So at this point, we reveal that the plan for dealing with the uh, prairie dogs... Oh wait, yes. Sorry, I thought you were skipping ahead. No, this, the, no, no. Sadly, no. Okay. The, this is at the graduation. It's revealed that the plan to deal with the prairie dogs is to uh, have a bunch of small explosions to close up um, the various prairie dog d- dens, nests, holes, holes, whatever, whatever their hole systems are called, burrows, sure. burrows, sure. Uh, and then there's a massive explosion and everything everything goes boom, including uh, Old Faithful, which stops flowing. Uh, Mo shout, lynch the Deedles. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> is an intense thing to say oh, for a PG-13 film. Really intense film thing for to shout. Um, the Deedles are then literally kicked out of the park. Yeah. Kind of... Um, DJ Jazzy Jeff style, mm-hmm. but finally start to suspect foul play. You know, after they were shot at and had their brakes cut, and actually that's pretty much the only two really noticeable ones, isn't it? Mm. 
regardless, after those very conspicuous things, they finally think that, hmm, maybe this prairie dog infestation is being caused by some villain. At this point, they parasketch. That's paragliding while sketching. <laughs> Which is a cool idea. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. I do like the idea of parasketching. Off of the first guy's yeah, the dude that was meant car? to take them to camp. And also they have a third car crash scene with that dude again. Because yeah. why not? And uh, then they land right in front of the uh, big bad's, like secret entrance place which is like a caravan out in the middle of fucking nowhere good secret entrance guys it's actually a pretty good secret entrance i don't know it seems pretty suspicious that you just have a fucking caravan out there for no reason well it's on his private land oh, fair enough and there is a uh, the the elevator is in the loo and hold on what do they use to go to the loo the villains are toasting themselves but see that the doodles are arriving uh the, this is about 20 minutes before they will win. Uh, yeah. Um, I was. They got kidnapped as they're about to enter the thing and go in, down into the lair. Yeah, rather than just letting the Deedles look in this place, go, there's nobody here, although this is all very suspicious, they actively kidnap the Deedles, take them down through the toilet. Uh, elevator into the secret lair and monologue the entire plan at them. Yeah. We learn the motives of the bad guys 15 minutes before the end of the movie. It's literally to steal a gazer and create new tourism. Also payback, but who cares? Um, I also noted uh, at this point, Peter the Prairie Dog, Phil adopted, is going to end up coming back and saving them, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, Astute. The doodle count has to be near 100 at this point. Um... Some stuff happens. The two henchmen try to kill the Deedles, but hold on, hold on, hold on. You're underselling this fight oh, scene. Oh, whatever. This fight scene, aside from being pretty much unwatchable, includes one villain who fights with a knife and one villain who fights with two yo-yos. I don't understand this movie. It's trying to be funny. It's funny, Mark. Don't you get it? It's funny. It's not. <laughs> it really isn't. But anyway, that fight happens, then they somehow steal some kind of hot suits to protect them from burning steam or whatever. They go over to where the big bad guy is, turning some crank handles of some description to try and switch the steam flow over to the new geyser or something. Um, they overload I... the geyser. They yeah. overload this artificial second geyser that um, the villain, uh, Dennis Hopper, is going to build a theme park around of. Uh, thus... Um, exploding the geyser, I guess. I guess. Um, they get knocked back down off the ledge. And um, it was at this point that Petey the Prairie Dog, somehow, I don't know where the fuck he came from, he nibbled through a bit of rope, which was holding a random heavy object, which then fell on the big bad guy. Hooray. As I called it. They climb into a pipe that somehow takes them back to Old Faithful's original location, and thus at the pre presentation, which is going very badly as the geyser isn't flowing, they all pop out of the top and then just kind of hang there in a geyser in water rather than just kind of falling. Mm, I don't know how that works. I don't... But at it this was point, terrible effect. Yeah. It was really terrible effect. At this point, the Deedle Count has definitely either <laughs> hit 100 or gone past 100. No doubt about that. Is this before or after someone shouts, Deedles, 
It's after it's someone after. shouts it's very much and it echoes. Yes, Except that was, that it's was, obviously that was, that not was... an echo. It's the same audio just being put over itself. That was the uh, third car crash. That was the third car crash, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, everyone starts shouting Deedles. Um, the, the villains land. Uh, Get arrested. Yeah. Then the Deedles somehow create a new theme park, which is based on surfing there, called Deedlestone. I don't know. Some sort of artificial wave pool. Yeah, then the uh, dad is there and is like, uh, oh, I'm very proud of you, boys. And he's like, oh, we're very proud of you. We're very proud of us too, dad. And then, and then the girls Phil and happens, Hot Ranger kiss. And then, yeah, there's the kiss. And then everybody surfs. Yeah. The end. There was absolutely zero point to this movie. No. Um, there's definitely not 90 minutes of content. It's... It was the longest 90 minutes of our life and we've just described the entire thing in less length than the movie. The credits say no animals were harmed, and I'm just thanking my blessings because boy, it sure looks like they were. No animals were <sighs> harmed, but they did have their lives ruined by appearing in a shitty movie. Yeah, that too. They probably never lived it down. So, how's the ranking going to work with these? We're just going to rank them with all the rest. <sighs> yeah. I mean, there's not really enough feature films to. Uh, we don't. We don't need to split. Them. To have a split it's ranking. It's going to get so confusing if we split it. Just, I, this is awful. It was the longest yeah. ninety minutes of my life. It there was no point to anything in there, and I know we've seen things which have no point to them before, but this was even worse than those. Right. I would so readily we're... watch a full day's worth of both Super Show and Super Duper Sumos than this. So you're saying right at the bottom of the list? Right at the bottom of the list. Number 14. Do not, under any circumstances, watch this. It's not worth it. It <laughs> really, really isn't not. worth your time. Um, I mean, we... Look, there's a whole thing of like liking bad movies because they're so good, they're bad, or whatever, and it's fun to riff on or whatever. This is not one of those movies. It's just 90 minutes of fucking nothing happening for no good reason. You can't even make jokes over it because it is just so painfully unfunny. Yeah, it's... The fact that it's trying to be funny and isn't sucks out a lot of the possible joy that could be had if it was a better constructed or worse constructed film. It's just so mediocre to be unredeemable. I just... Why? (laughs) Just why? I would recommend the Carrot Top movie over this. Oh, God. Uh, That's also a a wacky surf movie, if I remember correctly. Chairman of the Board. Good Lord. So, yeah. That's thankfully it for Meet the Deedles. Never, Never again. again. So yes, we have been the Deep Geeks. Uh, you can, bah, if you want more from us, you can subscribe to us uh, at all the usual places, such as Apple Podcasts and where do you get where do you get podcasts from these days? iTunes iTunes or Apple Podcasts We're the same thing. <laughs> uh, or any podcasting app that's worth its salt apart from Stitcher because it's weird we don't like Stitcher <laughs> they took all of our back issues of um, how did this get made from us 
You can also find anything else we do online at MostlyCobolds.com. That's MostlyCobolds.com. We also do another podcast called Mostly Cobolds Extend, uh, so feel free to have a listen to that, because we like doing that. <laughs> and we don't have to watch terrible, terrible things to do that. <laughs> it's pleasant. Regardless, uh, that's it for this episode. Um, on the next episode, in the name of the moon, we will punish you. <laughs>